Hello and welcome into this week's episode of Wolverine Hot Talk. I'm Tyler Vandermolen alongside my co-host Steve Anderson. It is April 15th, 2023, and once again, not coming to you from Penthouse Studios, but coming to you from our remote studios in Washington, D.C. in New York City. Steve, how are we doing? It's been a good stretch for uh, Michigan football, Michigan recruiting, and we've got a lot to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't couldn't be more excited to be back. Uh, not as long of a hiatus as last time, and hopefully we can keep the momentum rolling. But I mean, you said it, been a, been a good stretch for recruiting, as we'll talk about, and um, some updates with the program that are going to be a lot of fun. And uh, it's just really that time of the year right now where I, I start to get a hankering for football season. The the season win total betting, betting lines are starting to drop. We got a bunch of spring games going on. Uh, Michigan was a couple of weeks ago, which we'll talk about. Ohio State, Michigan State both today. We'll have thoughts on those later in the episode. And uh, it's now that March Madness is over, it's, it's uh, kind of that time to start looking forward to football season and really drilling into the recruiting and um, how spring practice and everything is going. So I, I'm excited to chop it up today and in future episodes. And uh, yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, no doubt about that. A jam-packed show today. Lots to talk about in recruiting. We'll do a, a breakdown of the spring game and then uh, touch on some odds and ends. We'll even give you some hoops today. This is normally a Michigan football and recruiting podcast, but uh, you know Michigan hoops never stops either. So we'll touch on that a little bit at the end. Uh, but we do want to start out with recruiting because, as we said, it's been a really, really good stretch, kind of as we expected, right? We knew that uh, Michigan was in in solid with a lot of these top prospects that their visitor list this spring were going to be really good. Uh, and coming off, you know, uh, two straight college football playoff appearances, two, two straight Big Ten titles, uh, two straight Joe Moore awards. You had a feeling that this spring was when things could really start to click when the uh, the visit period started to open up again. And uh, click it did. So uh, we want to run through Michigan's most recent slate of commitments. Uh, a few good ones, Steve. Do you want to kick us off uh, talking about Jordan Marshall, which you know, given, given the, the caliber of guys on this list, maybe not the biggest, one of the biggest, no doubt, but given who Michigan beat for this commitment, one that uh, maybe signals a, a larger shift in the recruiting dynamics of the Big Ten. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, to, I guess to kick us off, Jordan Marshall, Archbishop Moeller in, uh, I think, Cincinnati, right? Yeah, powerhouse um, program in Cincinnati. Yeah, Southern Ohio guy. Um, not really in the super intense traditional Ohio state footprint, but in Ohio, nonetheless, and I think Moeller is a place where they have gotten a few, a few studs over the years. So, I mean, as you alluded to, this is just a huge commitment on so many levels and uh, I'll get into a little bit of a player eval in in a little bit, but you mentioned it. It just, it's such a symbolic commitment, uh, which really shows the fruits of the last two years finally starting to pay off with those victories against Ohio state. It, it, it just seems like we haven't beat them head to head for a commit they've or a recruit that they've really, really wanted in, in so long. And even the ones that we have um, like Donovan Edwards, JJ McCarthy, there was, there was some uh, other circumstances at play in both those recruitments where uh, they were given ultimatums by, by Ohio state or Ohio State had another guy that they preferred more, <clears throat> Kyle McCord. We'll get to that. Um, and uh, that's their loss. But this just feels a little bit different because they were gunning for Jordan Marshall. He was right at the top of their running back board. And the fact that Michigan was not only able to get him to commit, but to but to get Jordan Marshall to commit on a visit and cancel an Ohio State visit that was supposed to happen a week later uh, just goes to show 
how how strong the pull is to the program right now. And I think that's a really, really good sign for the health of the program going forward. Well, and, and not just a commit uh, that they went head to head with Ohio State on, a commit from a kid out of Ohio that they went head to head with Ohio State for. And right. um, th- those have been particularly rare. And um, you know, you, you've seen some Ohio State board coping over the last few weeks trying to to talk about, you know, whether Jordan Marshall actually was their top target or not. I think we've heard from the top Ohio State insiders that Jordan Marshall was the top running back target on Ohio State's board. He was also the top running back target on Michigan's board. And I think this is where you're really seeing the fruits of the style of play that Michigan has played with over the last couple of years, ground and pound, really strong in the offensive line, really strong in the running back room. And this is Mike Hart flexing his, uh, his newfound muscles on the recruiting trail. We'll, we'll uh, get into, you know, some of his hidden gems a little bit later, but this is a super high profile recruitment. There's nothing hidden about Jordan Marshall. This is a a top 100 caliber player, you know, a high four-star player who is um, one of Michigan's biggest wants in this cycle. They've been on him for a really long time. And, um, we've been saying this for a while. If you are a a top running back, you know, right there along with offensive linemen and edge rushers, why not Michigan? Right? We can you can you find a better place than Michigan? Given what they've been able to do with uh, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards and Hassan Haskins over the last couple of years, this is the kind of place that should have their pick of the top running backs in the country. Uh, and it seems that they did with Jordan Marshall. And the good news on this one, and we'll talk about prospective recruits a little bit later, is, you know, there are other top guys in Michigan's running back board, Taylor Tatum out of Texas, uh, you know, a, a five-star, borderline five-star caliber running back uh, being chief among them. And given Michigan's running back usage, usage, the way they've featured multiple guys like Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum this year, Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins last year, they've shown that they're able to use multiple guys. This doesn't seem to have deterred them in the Taylor Tatum recruitment at all. So, uh, Jordan Marshall, a top player in uh, what looks like it could be a super elite running back class if a few other things fall Michigan's way. So uh, go ahead, Steve. Very excited. Yeah, absolutely. I know I know we got to move on to some other recruits, but I just had a few a few closing thoughts. I think, um, first of all, you you alluded to the recruitment of Taylor Tatum. And I, th- I think in an ideal world, obviously, we want to get both players. And I think both Jordan and Taylor are extremely talented and it's, but it is funny how I, I think it could really work well um, for a couple different reasons. And, and one of them is just their running styles and fit. And, and Tyler, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. They're not perfect comparisons, but I, I do see a, a similar difference in Jordan and Taylor's games in the way that Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards run differently. And as we saw last year, once Blake went down, like Donovan was more than capable to carry the load by himself, but they, they do have really different running styles. And I think, I think Jordan Marshall to me reminds me a lot more of Blake Corum. He shows a lot of short area quickness on his film. He has those that like a little bit more of a compact body, um, those big thighs. And he, he takes a little bit shorter, shorter strides, but just those really McPickle, quick. Those McThickums. Is, is yeah. Like maybe not, maybe not Ben Hall level, but uh, <laughs> he, he's got a little bit of McThickum in him for sure. And he, he gets those high knees and then just, it seems like he can just pivot and, and, and bounce things. And I just love the way that he runs on a down to down basis. Taylor Tatum reminds me more of Donovan Edwards. He's a guy with like a lot of that one cut ability and that long speed to just outrun once he gets past the first level, which I think Donovan has a lot of, I think he, he doesn't quite have the tackle breaking ability as Jordan Marshall, but he's just a, a really good athlete and a great pass catcher out of the backfield. And so 
just the thought of getting these two is so exciting because it's like, oh my God, like we have the potential once Blake and Donovan leave to have guys that emulate very similar skill sets to that. Yeah, and and yeah. so getting three more years of that would be pretty incredible. No doubt. And I know we have to move on, but one thing I, I do think uh, it speaks to is kind of the change in perspective of these running back recruits. You know, I think mostly gone are the days of kids coming in and thinking, I want 25 or 30 carries. You know, they've seen all the stats on wear and tear on running backs on how short their careers tend to be in the NFL and are okay splitting with another guy, knowing that it, it keeps them fresh, knowing that they can still put good stuff on tape uh, and it's not necessarily going to affect their draft stock. So uh, Michigan has a, a great sell there for Taylor Tatum to play alongside Jordan Marshall. That's a recruitment we're going to continue to monitor going forward. But sticking with the Ohio theme and sticking with the, the run game theme, uh, just one day after Jordan Marshall, uh, Ben Roebuck, offensive tackle out of Lakewood St. Edward in Ohio, jumps in the boat, a guy who, you know, we've been talking about for a while, who we, we've seen as a Michigan lean for a while. But to me, Steve, this is a guy who looks like an Andrew Stuber clone, right? A, a kind of a prototypical right tackle, six foot seven, already, you know, 320-ish pounds, a real road grader, you know, might have uh, some development to do in terms of athleticism and foot speed, but uh, just an a awesome, big, nasty to get out of Ohio, a guy who, you know, it, it seems already... Uh, has developed the the taste distaste for Ohio State that we want in our Michigan offensive linemen. So uh, another solid commitment on the offensive line and what's shaping up to be a very good offensive line class from Ben Roebuck. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, this one, we didn't mention this with Jordan Marshall, but I think the Jordan Marshall commitment was a little bit of a surprise. There wasn't a ton of buzz, of, buzz about it on the message boards. Um, people, he had an Ohio State visit lined up, as I mentioned. So that one is a little out of the blue. The Ben Roebuck commitment was not out of the blue. It was very clear on social media that he was really into Michigan. He was getting recruited by a lot of the current commits. Shout out Luke Hamilton. He's been doing, he's been carrying the water for this class for, for a couple of months now. And, and that definitely doesn't go unnoticed. Um, so it, while that wasn't as much of a surprise, I think it is just uh, a testament how, to how strong this offensive line class uh, is going to be. I mean, we already have what four commitments across the offensive line and uh, there's going to be at least a couple more. And, and I, I think Roebuck is the guy that he's not going to play year one or year two. He is going to have to develop a little bit, but like you said, he just has that Andrew Stuber body with that massive upper half, really tall guy loves to run block is a huge mauler. He's got the mullet. He's got that, that blue collar attitude. And I think he's a guy that like, I think there's a good chance he ends up at guard eventually, but he's got the body and the length to play tackle. So um, that's really a theme of this class is that positional versatility across the offensive line. And um, I, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be really productive for Michigan for um, at least a year or two as a starter. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be the talented one, most talented recruit in the offensive line class, but uh, that is a really high bar to clear as we'll get to later. So um, a, a guy that I'm really happy that Michigan is taking, I think he's a great fit culturally, and talent wise, um, they'll get him in with Ben Herbert, um, get him in shape over the next couple of years. And, and hopefully he'll, he'll be ready to roll. Yeah. And if you've been on, you know, the, the Michigan and Ohio state Twitter spheres, which, um, you know, generally a, a place you want to avoid unless you're sickos like us and, and can't help it. You will have seen Ohio state fans chirping about how Ben Roebuck did not have an Ohio state offer. 
Uh, it's been something that's been talked about a lot. And I think, you know, there, there are a few things I, I'd say there, right? It's uh, one, given disparity in the offensive line play at Michigan and at Ohio State over the last couple of years, if I was an Ohio State fan, I don't know if I'd, I'd be chirping about that, right? Like maybe if Michigan's offering offensive line for, linemen from Ohio, Ohio State should be offering them. You know, there's there's just a thought to give Sharon Moore's uh, eye for identifying off, offensive line talent and uh, developmental prowess. So I don't know if that's the, quite the flex they think it is. And then, you know, uh, another thing is, is it gives those Ohio guys, I think, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and makes this rivalry a little bit more personal for them. Like, uh, the guy I always think about is is Rod Moore, right? Rod Moore was kind of a, a middling three-star safety out of Ohio who who did not have an Ohio State offer. Now you look back now, and I'm sure uh, Ohio State's regretting that because Rod Moore is he's just obviously yeah. uh, an elite All Big Ten caliber player. And, yeah. and you know you've heard it in his comments and the way he's played. You don't think this rivalry is personal for Rod Moore in a, in a way that it might not be if he'd had that Ohio State offer? Rod Moore fucking hates Ohio State, as do a lot of Ohio kids from Michigan who didn't have that offer. So, Cornelius Johnson probably isn't still running if Rod Moore is on their team. So yeah, I no do doubt. think that they're regretting that one. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, no, Ben Roebuck didn't have an Ohio State offer when Ben Roebuck is burying Ohio State defensive linemen in a couple of years. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how they're feeling about that one um you got anything else on that steve no i think i think we covered that one so let's uh let's get to the big boy so this is one we we were alluding to last week uh last month whatever pretty heavily and it's one we've been waiting on for a while so uh tyler i'll let you kick it off here but this is i think pretty objectively the biggest recruit of michigan cycle uh probably the biggest recruit of any michigan recruiting class since maybe JJ McCarthy. And so I, I just want to hear your thoughts on, uh, on Jaden Davis and, yeah. and, and how it all went down. It's amazing. We made it this far into the program without mentioning Jaden Davis. We wanted to do this chronologically because you know, this, this was kind of a, a story of a ball rolling downhill and building up momentum for Michigan recruiting, but yes, Jaden Davis, five-star quarterback out of North Carolina, Providence day, finally in the fold for Michigan. It, it's felt like it's felt like a long recruitment. It, it is still only, you know, the spring of 2023. So it's not like he took it to get that deep into the cycle. But uh, yeah, man, I, I don't think you can undersell just how big this one is, right? Jaden Davis, I agree with you completely. The biggest recruit Michigan has gotten since it landed J.J. McCarthy. Uh, you know, a, a five-star quarterback, a, a guy with a national profile, a guy who is a, an extremely active recruiter who has really been the only quarterback on Michigan's board this cycle at a position of serious need, you know, after taking projects or not taking a quarterback at all, the last two years. Uh, yeah. Jaden Davis, just a, a massive, massive land for Michigan and really, really great to see them uh, be able to shut the door on this one. This is, you know, one we expect to stick. Jaden Davis has already been out there actively recruiting for Michigan. So Steve, uh, we'll talk about the the caliber of player in just a second, but in terms of the recruiting impact, can you try to put into perspective just how big of a land this is for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan? Yeah, I, I think it's, <laughs> The quarterback position is so unique in football in in so many different ways. Obviously, they're the guy with the ball in their hands every play on the field on offense. So that's one thing. But I think in recruiting, you just see this phenomenon over and over and over, not just in Michigan, but at, at every at every school and especially at power five schools. When you get a talented quarterback recruit, that is one of the biggest recruiting cells that you can have as a program because it gives other recruits more confidence that 
they're going to be playing with somebody who has control of the offense and somebody who has control of the team is a leader and is going to have success. So if you're an offensive lineman, like it might be the best fit in the world for you to come to Michigan. But if you have Dick fuck McGee playing quarterback for you, then you might not want to go because you're just going to be blocking and busting your ass out. We're there. actually, we're watching the Michigan state spring game in the background right now. And Dick fuck McGee actually plays yeah. for Michigan state. He, he, he might he start. Yeah. Honestly, he, he's, he's, he's playing better than their other quarterbacks. So we'll see, but I, I guess just, it, it, it's a really unique experience because you have all these guys out on Twitter recruiting other recruits and that's great and all, but once you have a quarterback in the fold, it just seems like they are always the class leader. And I'm just excited that Michigan has one wrapped up early this year and is a true high four-star, low five-star, depending on where you're, what service you're looking at, who is, is going to draw in those recruits and is going to be on Twitter and active and has a bunch of social media clout and is going to go on these big recruiting shows and at camps and be in the ears of all these talented players. And, and it's really, just, it's hard to quantify, I guess, to answer your question, but if there's anybody you want recruiting for you, it is a, a high caliber quarterback like that. There, there's just something special about it that you can't explain. And um, that's what we have right now in Jaden Davis. So I'm excited to see what happens with that. Hopefully we get another commit or two from his school. Um, but it sounds like he's connecting really well with the guys. And I, I think it's going to be a fun couple of months now that he's in the fold and, and we're able to uh, keep moving forward with some other recruits. Yeah. And we, you know, we kind of laugh about the social media cloud thing, but um, you know, I, I've got just sort of this, this quarterback recruiting metric that I have always sort of kept in the back of my head. That's like, it's, it's the, the overtime metric, right? So if you're not on Instagram, overtime is like the uh, high school sports highlight account that, that posts all these, you know, big time football and basketball players. And you could be a really, you know, big time, high profile high school recruit. Um, but if, if you don't kind of have that, that drip factor that gets you on overtime, um, you know, you might not be out there in the same way that a guy like Jaden Davis is. Jaden Davis is all over overtime. You know, he plays for Cam Newton's uh, seven on seven team. He's all over social media. Just he's um, got kind of got that like cool factor, you know, the same way that JJ McCarthy did. Like JJ would drop these sick highlights every single week. He'd be all over overtime and social media. And um, it's silly to us, I guess, is, you know, 27 year old 28 well happy birthday steve just (laughs) Uh, i'm a little younger than you are but uh that's okay late 20s late 20s yeah late late (laughs) 20s old fucks you know um but these 16 17 year old kids they they see their quarterback dropping dimes in overtime matters you know their their perspective quarterback so um you know we're gonna see a lot of Jaden davis highlights all over the place to get us even more excited over the next uh next year or so you know he's still got a year of, of high school ball to play um and we're going to be talking about them a lot more. We're going to do, you know, uh, in-depth player breakdowns of all these guys. And we could spend a lot of time on Jaden Davis. Um, but Steven, in terms of the, the kind of player that Michigan's getting, uh, just very quickly before we move on to the next few guys, um, what do you see out of Jaden Davis? Who's maybe somebody from recent college football past that, uh, you know, you, you see as a, an apt comparison? Yeah, so um, I'll have to think on a sec on it for a sec for a comparison, but I think I know I put you on the spot there a little bit. No, no, it's okay. I'll, it's okay. It's okay. I, I think, um, uh, he, so let me start with his strengths. I, I think he's a guy where, uh, he's been a really highly rated recruit for a long time. And, um, I think 
sort of his physical makeup and his strengths reflect that he's a very polished quarterback. He's extremely accurate. Um, I think he has worked really hard on his mechanics, his footwork, all that is really college ready. He's not going to blow you away uh, as like a physical specimen. I mean, he's probably like, I would say six, one tops. He doesn't look huge. Um, maybe we get him at six, two when he's ready to start for Michigan, um, which would be great. Not a super heavy guy. He could run a little bit. He can move. He has good pocket awareness and can maneuver in the pocket, but you're not going to see him make an effort to, to be a huge threat in the run game. The same way we are with JJ McCarthy. I think it's the kind of, the kind of situation where he will use his legs to get out of trouble when he needs to, and will pick up five yards and slide when he needs to, and is perfectly capable of doing that. But I don't think he's a guy that you're going to be running read option with on a consistent basis or running Q power right at the Ohio state safety with. And it is, it is going to be funny to see how many, you know, white 50 year old dads in Michigan stadium are very confused about that at the beginning because Jaden Davis is black. Right. And uh, yeah, as is is typical, anybody who has not actually watched him play is going to be like, well, this is a a dual threat scrambling running quarterback, which Jaden Davis is perfectly capable of. But uh, I think as you said, it's really his, his polish, his accuracy, his ability to go through his progressions that are his, yep. his standout attributes. And, and uh, speaking of that, I do, th- I, I did come up with a comp while, while you're thinking of that. So uh, I, I'm, I'm ready for it. If you I want to hear if it's the same one that, that I'm thinking about. So All right. So here's mine. Kenny Pickett with bigger hands. That's what I'm thinking. I think, not bad. <laughs> I think, I think he is a similar player to Kenny in the sense that like, he's a really good distributor. He's an accurate thrower. He has, he has a strong arm. He does not have like a, a Joe Milton rocket, which is probably a good thing, honestly, but he, he can make all the throws, but he's not going to be a guy where like he compensates for being late by just drilling it in there. That's not his strength. He's going to be on time and uh, he's going to be accurate with the ball and he has the arm strength to get it there. But it, like Kenny Pickett, he's not going to be just like throwing it from the far hash on a, on a rope to like a, a 15 yard out or something. So I, I think that's my comparison. Um, and in the same way, Kenny Pickett, like he, he remember that fake slide he had his senior oh, yeah. year at Pitt. Uh, I, I think, I think you could get that type of running out of Jaden Davis. I don't think you're going to get like um, completely dynamic uh, uh, JJ McCarthy type running. So I, I'm sticking with bigger handed Kenny Pickett. What's think- yours? I think that's fair. And and look, mine, I need to preface by saying, you know, these are stylistic comparisons and not predictions of what this player is, is going to end up being, because that's not fair to the, you know, the player he's being compared to or, or to Jaden Davis. But I think, you know, that on, on the very high end, there are aspects of Bryce Young in his game. Um, similar in stature, Jaden Davis, maybe a little bit thicker, but I think when you talk about the um, you know, maybe just just solid arm strength, not super elite arm strength. You know, you see Bryce Young going through the pre-draft process right now, and he might not have the arm talent of a Will Levis or uh, of an Anthony Richardson. But the the very advanced processing ability for their age, uh, I think, is, you know, one of the, the most important traits that both of them have. Uh, advanced accuracy. And I, I think the, the biggest thing is, you know, Bryce Young did this better than anybody we've seen in recent history, but Bryce Young's ability to maneuver in the pocket and keep his eyes downfield 
was like his true wizardry, right? And and I'm not saying that Jaden Davis is going to be at that level, but in terms of guys you watch at the high school level, he's he's close to as good at that as you're going to see. So he might not be a guy who runs to pick up big yardage, but his ability to use his athleticism to maneuver and manipulate in the pocket while keeping his eyes downfield and finding receivers, that stands out as, you know, maybe the thing he does best right now. So yeah. Um, you know, we'll see if, if obviously if Jaden Davis turns out to be Bryce Young, uh, we're we're going to be very, very happy podcasters over here at Wolverine Hot Talk. But absolutely. Absolutely. And as much as I'd like to talk about Jaden Davis all day, because I, I really could. Um, <laughs> we've we've spent too long on these recruits already. So let's let's get to our last guy, our last new 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 commit who I know you're really excited about, Tyler. And then and then we'll run through a couple a couple uh, forward looking themes um, um, before we before we move on to the spring game. So Tyler, Andrew Sprague, the most recent Michigan commit, I, th- I believe it was last Friday, April, must've been April 7th or so, some, something around there. Um, but Andrew Sprague, uh, offensive lineman out of St. Louis, uh, committed to Michigan. Kansas City, Kansas City, I believe. Kansas City, sorry, yeah. Kansas City. Um, all the same, right? All the sorry, same. Sorry, listeners from St. Louis. I've been in St. Louis for work lately, so uh, I, I can't say that. <laughs> there you go. So, so what are your thoughts on Sprague? I know you're really excited about this one. I think you touched on him in the last episode, and um, yeah, just want to know what you think uh, about his game, where his strengths going to be, where he projects for you. Yeah, uh, put it simply, this is Michigan's top, probably top offensive line target overall on the entire board. Uh, clearly, their left tackle one, one of their top overall targets on the board, and has been for a long time. Uh, Steve Lorenz over at the Michigan Insider has you know been on this for a while and is saying this is their guy and you turn on the tape it's very easy to see why I mean the the measurables first of all this is a guy who's six foot eight you know he's listed at 290 pounds I tend to think he's a little bit lighter than that um, which you know in my mind is a really good thing you see uh, sort of this trend in the last few years of offensive tackles who end up being drafted in the first round of the NFL draft largely came in uh, a little bit lighter and, and not as uh, fully physically developed, you know, guys coming in at, you know, 270 pounds as opposed to, you know, 300 or 310 where they can just push guys around in high school. So, um, you know, I, I look at, at Andrew Sprague, if, if he's 6'8", 290, he carries that incredibly well. So I think he might be a little bit lighter than that. Um, but just the prototypical frame, outstanding athleticism, the way he finishes blocks is is fantastic. A guy who um, shows out in in the run game and in pass protection. And we're going to get a chance to see him in a, a few camps coming up. He's ranked right around, uh, you know, 100 to 150 by most of these services right now. I would not be surprised if this is a kid who ends up being a five-star when it's all said and done. He just recorded an offer to the Adidas All-American game this week. So he's going to have ample opportunity to get in front of evaluators and show what he's got. But um, we, I think you and I, have come to pretty invariably trust Michigan's offensive line evaluation. Sharon Moore, the best in the business at that. and. Um, if, if we're hearing that he is Andrew Sprague is the number one offensive line target on Michigan's board, that's pretty much enough for me to know that this is a guy who could come in play early and be really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. I think I echo everything you say. And also it's, I think one of the interesting things about this offensive line class and a guy like Sprague in particular, who's probably a little bit, um, more advanced uh, of a player than a, than a guy like Roebuck, who we were talking about earlier is, I mean, this season, Michigan's offensive line is going to be elite. I think I don't even need to knock on wood for this one. They have, they have 10 guys that could, that could start on almost any 
uh, other Big Ten offensive line. So we we need to do that. We discussed this topic the other day. Would Michigan's second team offensive line be a top five offensive line in the Big Ten? And we don't need to get into this now. I just want to put that in the heads of our listeners. I think we should make that a topic for our our next uh, podcast episode because I, I I've got some thoughts on that one. So I mean I'm here for it. Let's let we'll, we'll dig into it next week or or next month or next year whenever the fuck we get around to it. But uh, I, I guess my my point is that we're going to have a lot of these guys graduating after the season. And so it, it doesn't seem like from a program perspective, and maybe it's because we haven't had the need that they're, that they seem really ready and Sharon more in particular, seem really ready to throw out some of these younger tackles. Like, um, I mean, you're thinking about like guys like Jeffrey Percy, you're thinking about guys like Tristan bounds um, who are now like third, fourth year players, uh, but we really haven't seen much of them. And so it, it really makes me curious for the 2024 season, if a guy like Sprague has a chance to start as a freshman at tackle, because in addition to those, those guys I mentioned, like not getting a ton of time so far, we really haven't recruited a ton of tackles the last couple of years. I know we got Evan Link in the 2023 class, and he's a guy that could also play pretty early, I think. But overall, it's been a lot of interior guys the last couple of classes. So um, I think, Sprague has a chance to play early. And, and I think, uh, as you were talking about, he just, he has all the ability in the world. So I think with a year under his belt, maybe, um, if he, if he's able to early enroll, he can, he can get ready and be a, be an early contributor. So, um, yeah, that, those are the four commitments, uh, uh, since we last potted, but, uh, we'll, we'll do a couple quick other questions regarding recruiting Tyler. So, uh, let's talk about who could be next. I, I know there's a couple guys that, um, either have commitment dates set or, um, there's just murmurs flowing through the wind about, about a possible commitment in the future. So who are some guys that you could see dropping next for Michigan? Yeah. And I, I think, you know, neither of us would be surprised to see Michigan's momentum on the trail continue rolling through April, uh, and into the early summer months. So Blake Frazier, a guy we, you know, we obviously have our eyes on, uh, multiple crystal ball picks in for Blake Frazier, the four-star legacy offensive tackle out of Texas, sort of been rumors that he could maybe, uh, jump into the fold sooner rather than later. And I, you know, I do think there's a possibility of that just because offensive line numbers are, are starting to fill up, right? You wonder if, um, all of these offensive linemen that we've talked about jumping into the class, does that put pressure on other guys to, to get in and secure their spot? Now, Blake Frazier is probably a guy who has a spot no matter what, but, uh, very pro Michigan on social media, a guy clearly with a lot of love for the program and somebody we wouldn't be surprised to uh, see in the fold sooner rather than later. Jake Wernera, the center prospect out of Ponte Vedra, Florida. I believe he has a commitment date set for later this month. I want to say April 28th, Michigan, the crystal ball leader there. Um, you know, reportedly one of, if not their top target at center. Brady Prescorn, you know, the top 100, top 50-ish uh, four-star tight end. Uh, out of the state of Michigan, a guy who's been up to Michigan more times than we can count. Uh, kind of a quiet recruitment, but one where we thought for a while that Michigan has a pretty commanding lead. Uh, another guy you could see jumping in pretty soon. Uh, and then, you know, there's a handful of other guys, whether it's Jaden Davis's teammates, Channing Goodwin, Jordan Ship, uh, Brian Robinson, the, the edge rusher out of Ohio, you know, somebody who's been on the radar for a long time. Um, so, you know, like I said, we would expect Michigan's momentum to keep rolling over the next couple months and uh, should continue to be a, a, an exciting time on the recruiting trail. Yeah, absolutely. I think those first three that you mentioned, Blake Frazier, Jake Wernera, and Brady Priestcorn are, are the ones I'd have my eye on. And um, my, my hope is that, uh, we get a couple of those guys to pop before official visit season in, in June, because 
the way Michigan's been recruiting, I think we're going to see some commitments in June on those official visits. Uh, so, this is a breath of fresh air compared to last year. So no question. Uh, hopefully that'll, that'll get us through. And we'll wrap up our recruiting here uh, with just, you know, one last question. Is there anything that, that concerns you going forward on, on the recruiting trail, Steve, any positions of note or uh, anything, you know, that, that has you losing sleep at night as, as we tend to do over the positions <sighs> of 16 to 17 year old kids. I think the one, the one position I do not feel great about right now um, is corner. And I think the reason I do not feel great about it, it's not that we have a lack of talented players interested in the program. We have plenty. Um, but I think the two guys that are top of our board, Bryce West and Aaron Scott, both from Ohio, um, are major, major Ohio State targets. And I don't know. It seems to go back and forth uh, on, on the rumors, whether they are leaning Michigan, leaning Ohio State, torn, looking at other places. And so my worry is that oh, a worst case scenario there is both Aaron Scott and Bryce West commit to Ohio State. And then Michigan might be left holding the bag a little bit in that scenario. I mean, we, we've got a couple other guys that are really talented on the board. I know um, Iffy, I, I forget his last name, but he, he's a really talented corner um yeah Austin know, Alexander, Jalen Todd, Todd, and, yeah. yeah a couple but couple other guys but solid the, players but not necessarily of the caliber of a Bryce Western Aaron Scott exactly and so I think I think if you split those two one in one with Ohio State I think that's a win if you yeah, lose both that's that's a loss um I I personally do not think we're getting both but I think that's just the most up in the air position for me because the top two targets on our board are, are clearly uh, very, very torn on what, what they want to do. And uh, it, there's a lot of uncertainty there. So that's the one position I'm a little bit worried about. I think everything else is going to work out just fine. So that's the one I'm keeping my eye on. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, corner is, is one I have my eye on as well. Um, you know, the one thing I will say there is friend of the pod, Steve Klinkscale, one of the best in the business. Um, if anybody can pull Aaron Scott and Bryce West out of Ohio, it's, it's Klink. And, you know, if that doesn't happen, which, it might not, I guess at this point, I, I'd probably peg Ohio State as the, you know, the not the prohibitive favorite, but a favorite for both of those guys with Michigan, you know, very much having a puncher's chance in both. If those both go the other way, you know, Clink's the man, he'll he'll ID other guys, he'll recruit other guys and, uh, you know, have faith that it'll, it'll work out just fine. But would be a lot of fun to pull those two guys out of Ohio and, uh, you know, just get to, to ride this uh, anti-Ohio State wave a little bit longer. Um, so... That'll do it for recruiting. Uh, we'll be back at it with more recruiting news in our next episode, but we did want to get into some highlights from the Michigan spring game, which was just a few weeks ago. Um, really a, a solid event, um, you know, a, a legit game. Michigan did a, a draft. Um, we got a little bit of a glimpse in social media on what the draft looked like with Jay Harbaugh and Mike Hart, uh, respectively, as the coaches for the two teams. The coaching staff split up, the, the players split up, and they played it like a real game, which is you know, uh, a lot more fun for, for us as fans than some of these glorified two-hand touch games we've got going on today. So uh, really uh, an enjoyable watch. I was bummed that we were not able to be there in person. Um, you know, we've been there the last few years and it, it's been it's been a fun time. But uh, still, uh, we're able to watch on TV and have, have done a little bit of rewatching and have some takeaways. I think big picture for me, uh, you know, the, the, maybe the biggest takeaway was that really impressed with the athleticism of this team. You know, this was a, a group that we didn't expect to have a lot of holes, a lot of concerns, um, but the team athleticism and a lot of credit for that goes to strength and conditioning coach Ben Herbert, obviously 
to me, it looked like even a step up from what we saw last year. There were uh, just a lot of really impressive looking guys out there, despite some of the, the best players on the team being out for the game. You know, I, they were holding guys out for, you know, any kind of precautionary reason, I think, given, uh, you know, the low stakes of the spring game. So Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, obviously guys we know that have, have been injured, sat out. Um, Zach Zinter didn't play. Trevor Keegan may Trevor King play may have uh, seen just limited snaps. I, I honestly can't recall. It, yeah. it's, it's been too long now, but will, yeah, will Johnson, you know, there were a number of starters who weren't playing for, you know, for various injury reasons, nothing to be super concerned about. I don't think, but the guys that were out there, I thought, you know, the, the team athleticism was really impressive and we'll get into some uh, offensive and defensive standouts in just a minute. Steve, were there any big picture takeaways for you? Yeah. I just think uh, we, we kind of touched on this in the last episode and I just think, it looks like the depth as, is at another level um, um, this season. We, we have a lot of young guys that can come in and, and give you real, like real snaps, uh, whether they're freshmen, redshirt freshmen, true sophomores. Um, I think that we have better depth at almost every position and there might be a couple of exceptions there, but I think that's really exciting to see because you're going to see injuries throughout the year. And I just think having guys that are able to step up and, and not have, not have much of a drop-off um, is going to be really, really important. So uh, I, I think the depth is there. I, I agree. The team athleticism looks really good. You can see why they recruited some of these guys. And it's always exciting this time of year when you're like, like a guy like Kenneth Grant, like, and, and I'm sure we'll get to him, but like he didn't play a ton last year, but that doesn't mean he, it's not because he's good, right? Like he's just playing behind Mozzie Smith, who's like an all league player and, super talented. So it's fun seeing these guys that are kind of young, come up and have their time and, um, and just look like absolute war daddies. So yeah, on that note. Yeah. And and no, just one last takeaway. And we, you know, we, we touched on this earlier, but um, Michigan playing full contact, full speed, very physical spring game in, in classic Jim Harbaugh mode, you know, I think tells you everything you need to know about the difference between that program and Ohio state's program, which played, you know, a kind of a, a soft thud for most of its starters, you know, if I'm Ohio state and uh, the, the narrative around the country is that my team is kind of, kind of bitch made, you know, I think uh, I might be be going out of my way to, to try to show the opposite, but you know, to, to each their own, that's a, that's a quality seven on seven program that they've got down there. And yeah. In and and I, I mean, I wouldn't expect this as much out of this, this program, but uh, I, the Michigan state spring game is on right now. And uh, at least Ohio state was doing fun. Yeah. What are they they're, doing? They're playing, they're playing, playing two hand touch. Here. It's ridiculous. They're playing two hand touch football. Yeah. But I mean, we'll touch on those games a little bit later, but uh, yeah, no, I, we got some men in our program. I think we came out without any, injuries is that yeah for sure significant injuries so. and like let's you know we'll, we'll be clear it, they're playing they know they're playing their own guys they're playing to avoid rolling up on guys playing to avoid yeah. injuries quarterbacks weren't live but um yeah diff, that, you know if, if you want to see why michigan's it's a cultural most, thing exactly you want to see why michigan's been the most physical team in the big town over the last few years look no further anyways uh thought we'd start with some offensive standouts steve uh we ha- had a list of a few guys starting with uh, game MVP, former walk-on, current scholarship player, Peyton O'Leary, a guy that yep. we've heard uh, talked about by by quarterbacks and other receivers uh, a little bit in practice, finally getting a chance to uh, to show it on Main Street after apparently showing it off on uh, on State Street for the last few years. Yeah, I, I think he, he's a guy where um, I, I remember we were hearing him about him last spring. Uh, 
a little bit, whether it was after the spring game or over um, like fall camp uh, as like, as like a guy who's really making plays and not just like your generic white walk-on who gets talked up uh, by Harbaugh every year. Um, it, it, it is funny. I mean, like the, the heart, I forget if it was last year or, or this spring, but the Harbaugh Cooper cup comparison just cracks me up every time because it's just like, he, he takes the most outlandish comparisons and um, just showers his players in praise, which I, I love him for it. And that's amazing. He's not Cooper cup, but I, I mean, he was the game MVP. I think he is uh, like, I think he's a legitimately good player. And yeah, I think no, he's going to he get be a guy for sure. Like it would, it would it surprise you at all if he was a guy who was like actually in the rotation by the time he's an upperclassman or even a little bit this year, probably not yeah. he's solid. I think, I think that's probably right. I mean, I think the tough thing for him this year is we, we had so many receivers come back. I mean, Andrew Anthony left, but besides that we returned almost everybody. And so it, it's the kind of thing where like, I think he would have to dig into somebody else's snaps, but I think he'll be out there, especially like the, he's going to get a chance early on. And if he's really showing it in games, then maybe he'll earn some more snaps um, over the course of big 10 play. So he, he had a good game. He had a touchdown on, on a nice rollout um, against the grain for JJ through across his body is beautiful throw. Um, he just looks like a guy that like, he's like big enough and he's not like an absolute burner, but he clearly has good body control, very precise in his route running. So uh, I think, like his ceiling is like Ronnie Bell light, like probably like less athleticism and jumping ability, but like a good route runner, a guy you can put in the slot and like have go across the middle and like get, get a little bit of separation just based on how he's running his route. So I, I think, I think I could see him playing this year. I mean, I'm not going to like get super fired up over a spring game performance, but um, it, it's nice to know we have guys like that for depth and yeah. uh, maybe play some special teams and a, and a good opportunity for him to show out on a day when, you know, Roman Wilson either didn't play or played very sparingly. Cornelius Johnson didn't play a lot. Tyler Morris was out. So, um, you know, Peyton O'Leary, a standout at the wide receiver position. I also, I also thought freshman Fred Moore was a guy who stood out and looked pretty good. So, um, you know, it was a, a good chance for some of the young receivers to get out there, build report with, with JJ and the other quarterbacks. Um, but what, you know, we're talking about freshmen, one guy who really stood out and we talked a little bit earlier about Mike Hart, uh, showing out on the recruiting trail. Well, we, we all might owe Mike Hart and Benjamin Hall, (laughs) just a little bit of an apology, right? Because there were, there was some things said and, you know, anything I, or you may or may not have said happened behind closed doors. I don't think we're on, on the podcast talking any smack about Benjamin Hall, but if we did Benjamin Hall, please accept our apology because, to me, if I'd been naming MVPs of this game, it's Benjamin Hall, no question about it. I, I think um, not only from a statistical perspective, putting up almost 100 rushing yards, but passing the eye test. Uh, if I had to make a comparison, I, I would say like slower Blake Corum showed the same kind of like low to the ground shiftiness, ability to to work his blocks, to break tackles. Um, again, it's a spring game. Some of those snaps were not against the starting defense. But uh, Benjamin Hall has the look of a guy who could be an actual player. Um, and and that's uh, that's something we probably didn't expect, Steve. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he he got a lot of hate throughout the recruiting process. And uh, some of that was from Michigan fans. And like, that sucks. But like, that is also like, just part of how recruiting works. Like, there's a lot of scrutiny. It's, it's big boy football. And I like, <laughs> go prove people wrong. And he's proven people wrong. It, it is just a spring game. But I totally agree. It's like, in hindsight now, it's like, okay, he didn't get a ton of run his, like, 
his senior year, like, oh, he wasn't like the starter, but the, the starter on his, on his team, on his high school team is going to Clemson and was like a four-star running back. And like, it, it's not like he was like playing behind some like, like shitty midget who like is just terrible at football. And he just got benched. Like he's playing behind a good guy and like was productive in high school still. And it's, it's just like, you need to wait, especially in a position like running back where I think you just get them in a certain system and you play to their strengths and you get them in some coaching. And if you have a guy like Mike Hart, he's going to find a guy with instincts. And I think it's pretty clear after today or after the spring game that Ben Hall has those type of instincts. And it's just a matter of harnessing that and getting him to run within the offense. And like, I, I think he, yeah, obviously he, he passed that test with flying colors. So we'll, we'll touch on like the RB three, battle a little later but he had a really good day well and one one other thing i will say about ben hall is um we've talked about this in the pod before but during official visit weekends you and i you know because we're kind of creeps would go over and hang out at the graduate hotel in ann arbor and watch the recruits roll through on their official visits and out of everybody i saw come through that entire cycle i don't think i saw anybody more excited to be there than benjamin hall and his family like just (laughs) clearly super enthusiastic about being at Michigan about this opportunity. Um, so, you know, there's your one little insider tidbit this uh, this episode. It, it actually, you know, was, was <laughs> really, really great to see. And, uh, you know, we are rooting for Ben Hall in particular, I think. No no doubt. No doubt a great kid. So let's, let's move on to our last couple offensive standouts, and we'll lump these all together. We've got, because um, they're kind of the same, you know, the tight end and the offensive lineman kind of lump them all in together in line. And so, all right, let's hear your thoughts on these three, Tyler. I think AJ Barner had a really good day. Um, I think he's showing a lot of why Michigan took him on. I mean, there was, there was a need at tight end after uh, Luke Schoomaker going to the draft, obviously Eric all transferring to Iowa, Colson Loveland still being relatively young, obviously crazy talented, but um, not a ton of proven depth behind him. So uh, I'd like to hear a little bit on AJ, AJ Barner, as well as some young interior offensive linemen, Raheem Anderson, Amir Herring, both Michigan kids. I thought both of them had really good days. Were out there pancaking some people and, 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 and showed a little bit of pop. So what are your thoughts on those guys? Yeah. So I'm AJ Barner is going to start a little bit of a theme when we get to the defensive side of the ball of uh, Michigan's transfers looking really, really good. And um, you know, you would expect AJ Barner to show a good report with, you know, his quarterback from Indiana, Jack Tuttle, who he came in with, and, and you definitely saw that, but uh, the athleticism pops, you know, he looks a lot like Luke Schoonmaker who, um, you know, at the NFL combine recently, I think tested even better than a lot of people would have expected. So, you know, we thought maybe uh, AJ Barner is, is a good player, but clearly second fiddle to Colston Loveland in this offense. I think maybe this has an opportunity to be a little bit more of a one a and one B kind of thing because AJ Barner is, a uh, guy who has the athleticism, the pass catching ability, and the ability to play with his hand in the ground and, and get dirty and block. So, um, you know, we know that's a prerequisite for playing tight end in a Jim Harbaugh offense. So uh, actual potential to be a weapon there, I think, you know, maybe uh, even more than we expected. And then you mentioned it, Raheem Anderson, Amir Herring, um, other guys too, Giovanni Elhadi, some of the young interior offensive linemen, thought did a really nice job. And, and in a spring game where the teams are split up, I think offensive line is generally the the toughest spot to play uh, because communication is so important. You're playing next to guys you're not necessarily used to playing next to. Uh, you might be playing out of position, but those two guys, Herring it and Raheem Anderson in particular, uh, thought had a, a few really nice reps, especially down near the goal line. 
going up against uh you know guys like mason graham i specifically remember uh, a nice rep against mason graham who you know we expect to be an absolute war daddy this year uh kenneth grant you know so they had their hands full and i thought you know acquitted themselves really really well so um, very encouraging there, you know, the future of Michigan's offensive line, as you would expect to look like, looks like it's in, in pretty good hands. Um, yeah. Steve, Steve, anything to add on those guys, or do you want to move over to the defense? We'll, we'll move over to defense. I, I just, uh, if we're on the apology train, I, I think I need to issue an apology to Raheem Anderson. I mean, I, I don't know if I ever, you were hard on pod, him, but I don't I just, think you did, but <laughs> I just, I just did not see it coming out of high school. He's not a super tall guy. He's probably the body, like six the, two. the body type is, a, and same with Raheem Anderson, right? They're yeah. a, like, bigger in the lower half and, and don't yeah. look like they'd be looked kind of dumpy coming out of high school at least. And I, I think he's reshaped his body a little bit, looks better, but he's also just like, he, he's just a master of his craft. I think, I think that's where his real strength is. He's not going to be like um, Cesar Ruiz or like uh, Olu Olu Timi. I don't think he's going to be a guy that like pulls out and leads blocks on the outside, but um he really is just like getting so good at hand placement and leverage and is going to be just a reliable guy. I think he's going to, we're going to see him start a couple of years as center down the line. Yeah, I think so, that's right. And and the intangibles were always there, right? That was a guy who like a lot of people pegged as a future captain, even when he was in the recruiting class. So no surprise that he's, he's maximizing his, uh, his abilities so far. Absolutely. Let's move on to defense. We'll, we'll group these guys in to keep moving. Um, okay. So I know there's three way identified as, as guys that really stand it out stood out. I can't speak English. Um, stood out. Two of the three are transfers. Um, and one is a guy we've talked about several times already on, on this particular episode. And so I want to get your thoughts on Josiah Stewart, Ernest Hausman, and Kenneth Grant. Uh, Josiah Stewart, I believe he, he is a third year player. Now he spent two years at coastal Carolina. Um, really, really productive freshman year, a little less productive last year in terms of the sacks only because I think he was probably catching a lot of double teams, a lot of running back chips, um, not a testament to his talent at all. Um, Ernest Hausman linebacker transfer from Nevada to Nebraska. Sorry. Also can't speak English. Um, hey, this is, he, this is why he's a transactional attorney. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And why, why we drink on the pod. Um, <laughs> and so he, he's going to be a second year player. He's going to be a true sophomore. Um, and then Kenneth Grant, obviously redshirted last year, I believe, or was, I don't know if he burned his red shirt or not. Anyway, second year player. He was in the program last year, got spot minutes and, uh, is, uh, just a big boy at nose. So Tyler thoughts on these guys, what did you see from him? What do you expect from them during the season? Yeah. So Josiah Stewart, uh, one of the players I was most interested to watch in this game, because you always wonder about these guys who are up transfers going from a lower level to a higher level. Um, you know, especially the ones that were really productive. How does that translate? So uh, wanted to, to eyeball Josiah Stewart and, and see exactly how he looked. And in my eyes, he passed the flying colors. I mean, he's not the biggest, not the longest guy. He's maybe, you know, six, two ish kind of in that, like, again, not saying he's going to be these, these players, but sort of a Josh Uche, Von Miller, Elvis Dumerville kind of role. Um, but the, the speed to power is super impressive. I mean, he, he had guys on skates, basically the entire day. I think he, he played the most snaps out of anybody on the defense uh, and was, was wreaking havoc. I was really, really impressed with what we saw from him against the run. You know, he was billed as a, a top tier pass rusher, but to see him play the run well was really encouraging. So, um, you know, I think the edge rotation is something to be excited about between, you know, established guys like Jalen Harrell, Braden McGregor, and then, uh, you know, some younger guys like Josiah Stewart, Derek Moore, 
real potential for somebody to break out there and uh, and become a star. And Josiah Stewart looks like, you know, as likely as anybody to be that guy. Ernest Hausman, um, our highest rated transfer coming into the, the season. And, you know, maybe a guy who you, you thought would be a year away from getting on the field, given what Michigan has coming back in Junior Colson and uh, and Mike Barrett. <laughs> Watching him in the spring game, I, I'm not sure you're going to be able to keep this guy off the field. You know, this is Mike Barrett, super um you know solid guy been around the program for a long time Ernest Hausman flashed some NFL you know first or second day talent was constantly around the ball super athletic uh forced a fumble so just a really really impressive day from from him and don't be surprised if you see him out there at least in the rotation if not starting by you know by the time conference play rolls around and then you mentioned Kenneth Grant who Kind of surprisingly was the the number one overall draft pick in uh, the spring game draft Uh, and also flash. You know, I think that he's a guy who's still working on his conditioning and and consistency, but um, just a total athletic freak. And, you know, when Bruce Feldman's uh, freaks list in the athletic comes out in, you know, whenever whenever it is in the summer, I think Kenneth Grant is a, a guy I would anticipate seeing pretty high on that list and somebody we have really high hopes for running alongside uh, Chris Jenkins and Mason Graham and some others in the interior. So, you know, the defense for Michigan solid last year. I should say solid. They're really good last year. Um, held Ohio State to 23 points, you know, pretty much up until the uh, the TCU game were, were excellent in their first year under Jesse Minter. I, you know, based on not just the spring game, what they have coming back, um, a roster that we know pretty well, a lot of known quantities and what we saw in the spring game. I think Michigan's defense is going to take a step forward uh, and, you know, be a, a potential top 10 unit in the country that that wouldn't surprise me at all. And, um, you know, that's that's pretty exciting thing, given what we know they have coming back on offense. Absolutely. I think um, I, I totally agree with all of that. And I just um, I'm, I'm going to move on in a second. But I think the Josiah Stewart just gives me big Josh Uche vibes. Yeah, I mean, for sure. He, he's not he's not one of these like really like long levered guys like like an Aiden Hutchinson that Michigan has had in the past or Mike Morris or Braden McGregor, even where they're like six, five, six, 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 seven type of deal. Um, it's more in that like six two, like a little more compact and like just really gets after it, like high motor um, always following the ball. I mean, he, you can drop into coverage a little bit probably. So I'm really excited to see how they use him this year. And, and like you said, the, the edge position is going to be really exciting. So um We'll move on to a couple other themes from the spring game that we want to get your uh, your thoughts on, Tyler, and I'll, I'll give mine as well. We just want to start really quick with the uh, with the backup quarterback battle. Um, JJ McCarthy obviously played. I think he played pretty well, other than uh, uh, one interception. Um, and then besides that, it seems like there's a pretty heated battle for that second uh, that that backup quarterback position between Davis Warren, who was. Uh, the backup quarterback last year after Cade McNamara went down with injury and uh, Jack Tuttle, the grad transfer from Indiana. So um, I'd love to see how you handicap that one and, and who you kind of think is going to be the right guy to, to come in and take the first snaps behind JJ, or if God forbid JJ goes down with some sort of injury uh, who, who you have the most faith in to go take control of the offense. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, it is nice to go into a season with a clearly established starter for, you know, the first time in quite a while, a guy 100%. we have a, a lot of faith in. So, you know, we hope this is just a, a thought exercise and we won't really have to worry about who the backup is. But, 
Um, yeah, it's a good question. I thought, you know, Davis Warren and Jack Tuttle both had good moments, both had bad moments. Um, it's not a competition that I would expect to be settled, you know, this spring. I think it'll probably go into the fall. Um, I, I guess, you know, I, my my hope, if I'm you know allowed to say that I'm rooting for somebody, is that Davis Warren wins the job because he's got four years of eligibility left. And I think it's flashed some uh, some actual legitimate arm talent. Um, but I think it's a close race. I, it could, could certainly go either way. And I, I would also be remiss if I, I didn't mention Alex Orgy here because still very intrigued by his talent. Um, his athleticism was never in question. You know, you see pictures of the guy uh, in team workouts. He's just absolutely rocked up. You'd think he was a linebacker. So a very talented runner. He's displayed that in uh, in live game action, he put that on display in the spring game as well. But I did think, you know, in limited sample size, obviously, it looked like there were some steps forward that he'd taken as a passer. You know, he, he has the strong arm, but it's it's accuracy and processing that are, are the question. But, um, you know, th- we've known the physical tools are there, and I actually thought he looked improved. So uh, not necessarily expecting him to win the back of quarterback job, but um, somebody, somebody to keep our eye on and, uh, you know, something I'll be – intrigued to watch i think another position battle we wanted to get into was uh the the battle for the third running back spot so steve be interested to get your thoughts on that one and we know who the top two running backs are going to be it's going to be blake Corman, donovan edwards cj stokes uh did not play in the spring game he's a top contender for this job so if you're looking at how you handicap that spot right now what does it look like to you yeah i think i mean we touched on benjamin hall earlier and i think he had the biggest day and i think like in terms of like, at least as far as we can, we can deduce just from how he's rotated backs in the past, like Benjamin Hall might fit the best as like the third quote unquote, every down guy. Like if God forbid, like Blake Corman Donovan went down, like Benjamin Hall seems like he could be a guy that can carry a good amount of the load and, and play consistently. But I will say, I thought, uh, Kalel Mullings, um, showed some better vision than he, he did. He looks last more like season. a running back now, doesn't he? He does. He 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 just like the little things like to make a slight jump cut to hit the hole in, in instead of running into the backs of his offensive linemen and just like plunging forward for like two more yards. Like he just he yeah exactly he looked a little bit more like a running back. I think he showed just like a slightly bit more finesse and like I think he's gonna be a guy where he does have a role again. Um with him, it's just like ball security for me. Like he looks based on how he looks, you think he should never fumble, but he had issues with that last season. So if he has the ball security thing figured out, I think he's shown improvement as a runner and he clearly has a role is the thing. That's the thing about Benjamin Hall where like he, he's a, he's, he, he's got the McFickums, like we said earlier, but I mean, you don't really need his skill set when you have Donovan and Blake, but Kalel, like there is a place like a, a niche that he can fill with Donovan and Blake still playing. So I, th- I think um, I would say Kalel Mullings right now. Uh, I think after this year, Benjamin Hall is going to have a real opportunity to come out and get some, some um, pretty significant snaps. Uh, but I, I personally, I would say Kalel Mullings at this point. Yeah. And you know, CJ Stokes, the guy who certainly we can't count out just because he wasn't in the spring game. And uh, Cole Cabana, you know, our our highest rated recruit from last cycle, uh, another guy who seems to be dealing with an injury. We don't know uh, exactly what the details are, but uh, also didn't play in the spring game and and somebody there who, you know, might factor into that equation at some point. I wanted to touch on the offensive line quickly because 
Um, you know, it's a position where there will be pretty significant battles uh, in the fall, especially at the tackle positions, you know, not necessarily something we have to get into too much right now. But, you know, there are a lot of guys who will factor into that equation who weren't playing in this game. Ladarius Henderson, not on campus yet. Drake Nugent and Miles Hinton dealing with minor injuries. So they weren't playing. Um, so you got to look at some of the younger guys in this game. I think we mentioned earlier, we thought they they looked pretty impressive for the most part. Steve, any takeaways from what you saw from the offensive line other than things that we've covered? I just think the young guys look like they've, they've grown up a little bit. I mean, it, it, it really is. I'm really just hoping some guys don't transfer because you have some super, super talented kids. Like, I mean, Gio Ahadi played last year. Um, I think, yeah, we mentioned Raheem Anderson and we were hearing before, and we keep bringing in these transfers, which is good because you want the top level of competition. Uh, you want the best guys playing. Offensive line is a position where everybody needs to gel. You can't just have one star. So we need to find the right chemistry for this season to, to maximize uh, uh, the production. But I just like how the young guys are coming along. And I, th- I think it's uh, it's really encouraging. It speaks to the development of the strength staff, it speaks to the development of uh, Sharon Moore as a position coach. Um, and I'm really excited to see the young guys a little bit more. So Tyler, do you have any thoughts on that before we wrap up? Yeah, well, just you, you mentioned the transfer thing and we should note the transfer portal does open for the spring window today. Um, and, you know, I, I agree that there are lots of guys on that offensive line that, you know, maybe won't factor into the uh, the starting equation this year that we want to see stick around. But we, we should say the reality is that there are going to be transfers from Michigan this spring, right? We're, we're probably over the scholarship limit at this point. Uh, we've got a lot of established starters, a lot of built up depth. Uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen to every team. You know, it, it, you don't need to buy into any of these narratives like, oh, you know, a bunch of guys transferred from Michigan. There's a there's a problem with the program or anything like that. You know, certainly if, if an unexpected name leaves, OK, maybe there's something to talk about there. But transfers are the reality of college football today. And Michigan is going to lose some guys in this this window. And, um, you know, that's to be expected. And, and I think uh, it's getting to the point where coaches understand that and are OK with it. And they're willing to have open and honest conversations with these guys about what's best for them and are, you know, are sometimes okay with saying, yeah, go seek your, your best opportunity elsewhere. And I think um, the bottom line is that, you know, no matter who Michigan loses in this, this transfer window, they're well-equipped to handle it this year and going forward. They've built up enough depth that they are going to be fine. So, you know, if a transfer happens that we're concerned about, we'll make sure to talk about that in the next episode, but it's, it's not necessarily something that we anticipate at this point. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of depth, I think the the last couple of points I want to touch touch on about the spring game were um, a couple of positions. We talked about the depth in, I think it was the past episode, but um, that's linebacker and, and corner because for different reasons, um, those were two of the positions where we had a little bit of concern about depth uh, at linebacker. It's because we did not have great depth there last season after some losses from 2021 and um, some injuries, uh, specifically to Nakai Hill Green. At corner, it was more because we lost Jamon Green to the draft. We lost DJ Turner to the draft. Um, and so there, there was a little bit of question marks at those positions coming into the spring. So, Tyler, I'd just like to get your thoughts. How, how are you feeling at the depth at those two positions and uh, after the spring game? And are you feeling better or worse than you were a couple weeks ago? Yeah, so we'll start with linebacker. I, I don't know about you, Steve. Zero concern there, I think. That is a position that, yes, depth was a concern last year. Not at all for me this year. I think Junior Colson coming back, Mike Barrett coming back, uh, you know, gives you two established starters. 
Ernest Hausman, I've already made my thoughts known on him. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. You get Nakai Hill Green coming back from injury, actually looking pretty solid. I think, you know, it's a hamstring injury. That's a tough one. You miss a whole year of ball. There's going to be some working your way back into shape. But, um, you know, certainly a guy who, who looks like he could be in the rotation again. You know, he was a starter before. And so those are four guys that makes Jimmy Rolder your fifth guy, right? And Jimmy Rolder was a guy who played as a true freshman last year. He was a highly rated recruit who we really like. Um, to me, that says you're in a pretty good place. I thought Micah Pollard was a guy who who played uh, some off-ball linebacker and really flashed yep. in the spring game. Another guy who, you know, is probably, I, I'd have to check. I don't think he burned his red shirt last year. So probably a red shirt freshman. So linebacker, a spot where I'm feeling significantly better than at any point last year. Um, corner, you know, maybe, maybe a little, um, not, not fair to say that it's a, a position of concern, but if you were going to force me to pick a position of concern, I guess it would probably be corner. And, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Amarian Walker more extensively in, uh, in future episodes. I have no doubt. Cause he's, you know, maybe if you were going to pick a, a key player to Michigan's defensive performance this year, he, he could be the guy. I think he had an up and down day, um, in the spring game, sort of what we'd expect, you know, for a guy who's making a switch over from wide receiver, you know, there were some other guys who did good things. Um, Miles uh, Pollard had a pick, I think. Miles Pollard had an interception. Jaden McBurrows had a couple nice plays, especially in run defense. Um, Jair Hill had an interception that was overturned on a pass interference. Um, you know, Cam Calhoun's been talked about highly. So, you know, there are guys there, talented guys, um, guys we've, we've heard good things about. We just haven't seen them do it on the field. So um, that to me will remain sort of the, the position that I'm looking at the most in, in terms of what are the rumblings out of fall camp when they get started up again? Absolutely. The hope is just that the the cream rises to the top. And I think uh, there's enough talent there that there, there's going to be good competition. We'll have iron sharpen iron throughout fall, fall camp. And right. And it's, um, clink, it's clink, right? Like you, right. you give them all of spring and all of fall with a, you know, a bunch of talented guys. Don't you have faith that somebody is going to emerge? They always do. And, and Clink knows how to get that out of him better than anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Moving on from the spring game, we got a couple more odds and ends on Michigan football before we, we wrap up and give you uh, a, a short basketball segment. So um, the first, I mean, on the, on the recruiting note from earlier, it's, it's going to be significant there maybe, but it's also going to be significant in terms of the existing roster. And that's uh, the recent announcement of hail impact uh, Michigan's new nonprofit NIL collective. Um, I don't believe it's been specifically endorsed by, by the athletic department, but um, well, Jim, Har- Jim, to have, it's, yeah. it's been Jim Harbaugh, you know, what, right. you know, uh, we can we get into the word manual conversation sometime later, but at least, you know, Jim Harbaugh is the most prominent person in the athletic department and he's right. he's actively supporting it. So that's enough for me. Right. Right. And, and, and one of the, fa- or the founder, or one of the founders of it has, has connections to the Michigan football program as a trusted friend of the program, not unlike you and I, Tyler. And uh, um, it, it seems he, like, is he, is he certified though? We're certified. No, no, we're certified. certified. We have, we got it on the phone background. So, I mean, that's as official as it gets, uh, but I guess I'd like to hear your just really brief thoughts on um, if you think this is a game changer, if so, how, to what extent and um, what you think this brings to, to the NIL landscape in Michigan? Well, you know, I, I will say we're very fortunate, Steve, to have, uh, you know, somebody who's worked on the ground floor of NIL on this podcast, Steve, <laughs> you know, has, has been actively involved in the, the legal side of Michigan NIL efforts. So, you know, we've got some some fun insight there from you, Steve, and we appreciate that. But 
I don't know. I think, you know, it, it remains to be seen exactly what, what the, uh, the impact of this will be. I think it's it, out of all of the recent announcements out of all of the collectives we've seen so far, this one feels like potentially the most impactful. Um, you know, the nonprofit model has been something that they've been after for a while. And it, it seems like maybe uh, they want it to function sort of like an endowment where this thing can can get a, a bunch of money in it and sort of be self-funding into the future uh, and potentially be the the source of funding for um, like a, a stipend. What like, I don't know, what do you call it? Like a, a base salary. For, right. know, it's not a salary because they're not across so, the entire roster, across the entire roster. So whether it's, you know, it, it that increases uh, by year or whether it's, you know, just $50,000 across the board for players or whatever. Um, I think that's a big deal because, you know, Michigan, as we've discussed at nauseum, is not currently in the business of paying high school recruits or saying, yeah, you're going to get this bag just for signing on the dotted line. But this is probably the next best thing in that they can say, okay, we're not going to pay you to come here, but if you come here, the second you're on campus, you're you're getting paid because everybody's getting this base salary. So that to me feels like um, a big deal because you you know you have that baseline, and then in addition to that, you can say if you become a star, look at what Blake Corum's making, look at what JJ McCarthy's making. There are those high six figure and seven figure opportunities out there for you, and and you're gonna at the start you're gonna have this base salary to just you know pay for your food, pay for your apartment, things like that. Absolutely. I think, I think that's uh, really the big point. And then kind of two other characteristics of it that I think are important to note are um, the, the nonprofit status, assuming it goes through, I believe their 501c3 status is pending with the IRS, but um, that really makes it a more attractive um, like way for, for donors to contribute to NIL and contribute to the program because um, those donations become tax deductible for them. And so it's a lot easier of a sell uh, for a donor to be like, hey, you can make this donation, it's tax deductible, and it's going to go straight to the program rather than them dropping a huge bag through a for-profit collective and then having to pay taxes, et cetera. And um, I think that's just, it, it, it gives one less excuse for donors not to to pony up these, I mean, there's plenty of rich alums from Michigan, and um, I think it, it just gives them a better avenue of contributing to the program. I also think it just really matches up well with the ethos of the program. I know Michigan is the football program in particular is very service oriented. There's a lot of team events, um, go, whether it's going out to high schools, Blake Corum giving out turkeys at Thanksgiving with his NIL money, um, all sorts of different events, trying to make a a, a great impact on. Uh, on the, the the communities that our um, our team is in, and um, I think that this gives the opportunity not just to pay the players through NIL, but also do it in a way where like you can feel good about it, and it feels like they are giving back to the community. And I think that that's important to note as well. All right, so we'll move on to a couple last football items. Let's talk quickly about the Michigan football spring trip. Uh, they dropped a pretty sick video a couple weeks ago highlighting what they're going to do. Of course, last summer, the Michigan football spring trip was around the state of Michigan. Um, that looked like a really fun one. In years past, they've gone to Rome. Um, they've gone to, uh, I believe, it was, what, South Africa? Um, Paris, yeah. Paris and, and kind of all over the place. So uh, what did you see from that, Tyler? And uh, uh, 
are we gonna get a chance to to creep on the team a little bit? I know, yeah, the they, they they are coming to both of our stomping grounds. So I mean, yeah, probably I'm gonna I'm gonna go follow <laughs> them around. So uh, I've got the trip in front of me. They're, they've got stops in Canton, Ohio, so that'll be the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Cleveland, which okay, I, I don't know, rock, rock and roll Hall of Fame's in Cleveland, right? There's gotta be gonna be something to do there. Yeah. Um, Washington DC, New York city, you know, obviously lots of really cool stuff to do there. Great alumni bases. So I'm sure they will have, uh, have, you know, cool stops and then, uh, a stop in Gettysburg as well, which, you know, if you've seen, remember the Titans, you know, the, the key to a winning football team is, is stopping in Gettysburg. So, um, should be a good trip, you know, educational. I know, um, you know, they, I, I don't know. I've heard that they have trips uh, in DC to Arlington and to the Holocaust museum lined up, which, which should be very, very cool. So, you know, an exciting thing, um, just further demonstrating Jim Harbaugh's commitment to uh, these these players as student athletes, which makes us proud. Absolutely. Absolutely. It looks like it's going to be a pretty good time. And um, hopefully we can get a chance to check in, show Jim Harbaugh my phone background for like the 14th time. But uh, yeah. looking forward to it. He'll remember right. us this time. Absolutely. All right. So we alluded to this earlier, but there's a couple um, spring football games from our rivals going on today. Uh, Ohio State was earlier. Michigan State is going on right now. So, well, obviously the, the the Sparty one is ongoing. So there's probably not too many takeaways. I know I, I've got it up on the side. You had it up on the side. But uh, what were some takeaways from the Ohio State game and uh, anything you've seen from uh, from Michigan State as well? Well, look, I mean, this segment is just an opportunity for us to talk shit, right? Because like, yeah, pretty much. No, there's no they, they no fucking suck. There's no real scores in the spring game. This is just. Uh, this is about us pushing narratives, you know, despite, despite what actually happened. So um, I don't know, you know what I, 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 Ohio state, I think looked kind of how I expected them to. Yes. They're very talented. I expected the offensive line to have problems because we've heard a lot about that this spring. Uh, they did. And it's not surprising that it sounds like Ohio state is hard after some offensive linemen in the portal, probably, you know, doing some, it's reported that they're after offensive linemen who are still currently at their school. So they're just, you know, kind of blatantly tampering right now, but you know, the rule books <laughs> out the window in, in college football. So, um, you know, a weakness where we expected to see a weakness, you know, it's hard to glean a lot from the defense because it wasn't always full contact and, you know, the teams are split up, but um, the biggest thing we were looking for with, you know, Devin Brown out one, one of the members of this quarterback competition was uh, Kyle McCord. Cause he, I think he's the guy that we would probably peg as the favorite to be the starting quarterback for Ohio state. Um, and you know, I, I don't know. It, did he show you anything that was particularly impressive? I didn't think he looked that great. And it, based on yeah. Ohio state Twitter's reaction, they didn't think he looked that great either. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think, I mean, CJ Stroud is going to be like a top three pick. So it's like not fair to hold him to that to 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 that standard i don't think but yeah i mean like he had like a couple like early three and outs um he's not a guy that is like gonna run a lot so like you better be a good passer if you're not gonna run a lot in that offense and like obviously cj stroud was an absolute surgeon for them except against michigan where he just fucking wrecked him but besides that he's obviously a good player and so i i think they're gonna take a step back at quarterback and like it's just gonna be really interesting to see the impact that that has on their offense, because obviously they had CJ Stroud for the last couple of years. They had Justin Fields before that, Dwayne Haskins before that. I mean, like it's been a while since they've had to actually take a step back at quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, 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 I I'm pretty sure it's going to happen this year. So it's just a matter of the magnitude of that. And then how, 
how that impacts the rest of their well, roster. And it is, it is such a quarterback driven offense, right? And they've never had to deal at least since, you know, Ryan day has been involved with having one that wasn't great. Those yep. three guys you mentioned Haskins fields and, uh, and Stroud have all been first round picks, you know, they, they've been right. stars. And if Kyle McCord is just okay playing behind an offensive line that is just okay, you know, what does that, what does that look like? Do you start to see some cracks in the foundation? And uh, we certainly hope so. Yes, we uh, do. I, I will say the one, the one caveat for me is they, they did have a lot of their like top players out. Like it, you mentioned Devin Brown, but I, I don't like Travion Henderson didn't play. Yeah. I don't think Emeka Abuka played who, who's probably going to be their dressed, number two he guy. He was dressed, but I don't think he played. Yeah. I don't think he played Julian Fleming, um, Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. They're starting linebackers didn't play, which might be even more concerning for the offense if they didn't play. But um, I, I think like, obviously it's just a spring game. You can't glean too much, but I don't think they're going to be a better team than last year. I, like, I think it's hard no, for I, me to see them being a better team than last no, year. I, I think, think their ceiling is being like, slightly worse than last year and I, at best like, they might be significantly worse than last year so that i i think that was my takeaway as well it's kind of what i expected and i think we'll learn a lot the first couple of weeks of the season so yeah their, I, their I game their game against notre dame is one that you will have our eyes on because i don't know if notre dame is going to be great but they should be improved yeah. from last year so that'll be a, a good litmus test to ohio state going on the road against notre dame absolutely really quick have you have you seen anything from sparty that has been notable today i know it's been a lot of patty cake it seems <laughs> like they're actually tackling now so i guess that's fun but yeah. i i haven't been watching that closely right i watched the first half of the ohio state game reasonably closely i've just, just sort of been watching yeah. michigan state out of the corner of my eye but uh, that's not going to be a good team i mean no. it's they they don't pass the eye test they look small and kind of slow and like that that doesn't mean that they can't conjure up some of their their voodoo and make the Michigan game harder than it needs to be. But like, no, man, that's a that's a six, yeah. seven win team at best that's gonna be fighting for bowl eligibility. I don't care whether Peyton Thorne or Noah Kim or Dick Fuck McGee wins the job uh, as the starting quarterback. But um yeah, I I'm I'm not not expecting a lot out of Michigan State this year. And uh, you know, they yeah. are locked into that Mel Tucker contract for a long time. And it, it's going to be really glorious to watch uh, the reaction if they, if they miss a bowl game. I, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I mean, like, obviously they don't have like top end high end talent, but I, I think they've got like a couple good, like Simeon Barrow, I think is like a pretty good like player at the defensive line. Um, I think that they've got a few decent guys, but like really what like I'm seeing is that there's just not a lot of depth on this team. One of their linebackers, um, Gauteote, I think he had a brother that played at USC or something. Yeah. He just looked like he tore up his shoulder here, like a driver. Oh, really? And I think he's like either going to be a starter or it was like one of their top backup linebackers or something. Now that they ran off Kovar's couch. So it's just, it's shocking how bad their offensive line still looks, man. I mean, that was such a yeah. hallmark forever is they, you know, not, not like super flashy, not putting out, I guess with the exception of Jack Conklin, like top round NFL draft picks, but like, always physical and fundamentally sound and scheme sound, you know, and, and now it just looks like a bunch of like undersized, slow guard bodies. Yeah. Who, like fat dudes. yeah who aren't developing, you know, and they, yep. they haven't developed year after year. And I, I, I don't remember the exact quotes. I don't, I don't follow Michigan state that closely, but saw something on Twitter a few weeks ago about um, Mel Tucker saying they couldn't, really do full scrimmages because they didn't have enough offensive line bodies. And like, that was the case last year too. You know, they've just been perpetually injured and not talented and, and shooting way too high in recruiting. Yeah. For and sure. failing, obviously. 
Yep. So low expectations for Michigan state, which is my favorite kind of expectations for Michigan state this year. Absolutely. All right. That'll about do it for football. Let's uh, let's give the people what they want though. Let's, let's spend 10, 10 minutes or so here on basketball, just because it's been quite a whirlwind since uh, Michigan went out of the, the NIT tournament um, in the second round of Vanderbilt in classic classic form from the 2022-2023 season. They choked away like an eight-point lead in the last minute and a half, which, I mean, this was one of the most frustrating teams I've had to I'm watch. I'm so fucking glad I don't have to watch this team anymore. Last, uh, last, I know Caleb Houston almost gave you an aneurysm last year, but like this year was was worse. I, 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 yeah, I it was. I, I, I didn't think it could get more frustrating than 2021-22, than but this, this season was just I, I lost hair over it and it was terrible and I'm so happy to look forward to football now. Um, but I, th- I thought we'd just give a quick recap over the portal losses, potential losses and additions so far up to this point, And then maybe get some quick thoughts before we leave on uh, how we feel going into the next season based on what the roster looks like right now. So let's yeah, go over what, the, what, what the, what the roster looks like right now is a hell of a lot different than it looked like a month ago. Right. Some, yeah. some guys out, some guys in, um, you know, we have Isaiah Barnes transferring out. Uh, and then, you know, the big one, obviously, is uh, Hunter Dickinson, who is currently in the portal, uh, shopping around for, for you know, NIL bag and uh, and the best opportunity for him. I know he's he's met with, uh, with Maryland and Georgetown. He's planning on meeting with Kansas this coming week. And, um, you know, that, that was one that caught people by surprise, right? I think we all expected Hunter to be back. He's clearly the best player in the transfer portal. At this point, he's been a star for Michigan for three years, and you were planning on building next year's team around him again. Um, so, you know, that, that came as a bit of a shock. I do, on some level, understand it, right? As uh, Hunter, uh, being a guy who's probably not going to be playing in the NBA, feels like he has to maximize his opportunities at the college level. And if there are, you know, opportunities to get paid out there, then worth exploring. Um, it does seem like, you know, the door might still be open a little bit for a return to Michigan. We've heard that he's been in the basketball building in Ann Arbor, uh, over the last week or so that he's planning on giving Michigan the last pitch, um, you know, next week or whenever he's, he's starting to come close to a decision. A little bit hard to, to believe that Michigan basketball NIL is going to match Kansas, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not nothing that he's given us the last crack at it there. So I don't know, Steve, that, that was a little rambly. What are your, what are your thoughts on, on Hunter? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, I think you just gotta take it in stride. If you're the Michigan program, I think you, you keep re-recruiting him or whatever. Like if he's giving you the last pitch, go take it. You want him on your team. He's a, he's a great player. And I think with the guys they've added in the portal, which we'll get to in a minute, I think it's going to be a more attractive place to come back to just based on his strengths and how, how guys will play around him. Um, so I think you give it your all, but you just need to plan for the scenario that he's not back, which I think it sounds like they're doing, um, which is good. And so you you recruit him to the bell, but you need to be ready for the reality that Hunter Dickinson will be playing for a different team next year. I think my my only big takeaway on the losses is like I thought there was going to be more. Like, I'm, and there's I'm sorry, still- but like. What what is Terrence Williams like still doing yeah. on the roster? Well, uh, and like, we, we would we should say also Jet Howard going to the NBA, Kobe Bufkin going to the NBA. You know, not not transfers, but significant losses for for Michigan. You know, they're, they're, absolutely. If Hunter Dickinson leaves, that's their top three scorers out the door. So 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I just think uh, a little more attrition would honestly be good. Obviously I want to keep Hunter, but there's a couple of guys on the roster that I just don't see bringing that much to the table. And um, I want to give these new guys a new guys, a chance to, to make their impact and, and see yeah. what we can do. So I'm, I'm ready for the T will experience to be over. Cheddar can come, uh, Cheddar, I, you know, I'm fine with Cheddar coming back, but, but Terrence, you seem like a nice guy. I've seen you, you know, at straight hand before. Uh, you know, yeah, seem like it just but... has been no upward trajectory. But yeah. speaking of upward trajectory, let's uh let's talk about these these new guys coming in. So there's been, um, I believe three uh uh transfer commitments to Michigan in the last couple of weeks since the transfer portal opened and March Madness ended. So we've got Namari Burnett, uh, transfer from Alabama. I think he's a six four combo guard type of player. You have Trey Jackson, uh, transfer from Seton Hall, six ten. I think he's mostly a four, but could probably play spot minutes at the five. Uh, and then the the big headliner, Caleb Love, um, guard, uh, guard and Cucker from North Carolina, um, gets buckets and uh, puts up big numbers. Not the most efficient guy, but uh, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on those three, Tyler, and what you think they bring to the table for Michigan, and and uh, what else you think they might want to look for in the portal. Yeah, Namari Burnett, you know, that's an exciting one because it's kind of a, a full circle story. Michigan high up in his recruitment when he was a five-star high schooler, a really close re- relationship with Juwan Howard and um, has been injured off and on in his in his college career. But a guy I, I think has a chance to really blossom with a few years of eligibility left at Michigan. So uh, he's somebody I'm excited about, really solid defensive player. I, I think, you know, potentially can play some minutes at the three. Uh, you know, you've got Doug McDaniel at the point, Caleb Love, in the backcourt next to him. So if they want to go smaller, I could see Namari Burnett on the, on the court with those guys at the same time. Trey Jackson, candidly, not a guy I've watched a lot of. I think, you know, clearly adds good length and athleticism, probably more of a, ideally of a depth guy. Um, but, you know, seems like you can shoot it a little bit, play defense and, and, you know, that sort of uh, perimeter defense is something that was sorely lacking in, in Michigan's roster last year. So, uh, should be an asset in that regard. And then, yeah, Caleb Love, man, it's, it's going to be an experience. You know, it, it could go great. It could be the thing that costs Juwan Howard his job. Um, you know, I think he will remind you a little bit of a, a Carson Edwards type player. He has that type of scoring potential uh, and that type of volume, maybe maybe even a little bit less efficient than Carson Edwards uh, for Purdue a few years ago. So, uh, if they can, you know, get him to play the way he did two years ago, you have a, a potential star on your hands and a difference maker because Michigan needs guys who can, who can put it in the bucket. Like I said, losing their, their top three scorers, they need that. Um, yeah, but if, if they get the guy that showed up last year, then, you know, it could be an absolute disaster. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think just to run through my thoughts on them, like I think Namari Burnett, I think the thing that excites me most about him is like. Michigan did not really have a great perimeter defender last season. I think Kobe was like a pretty, pretty good defender. But if you have a team with like two really strong guards that can drive and take you up the bounce and, and shoot well, Michigan just didn't have the guys to guard them. Like Doug's okay. He tries, but he's just not big enough to, to, to really be like an elite level defender um, at this level of basketball. So I think Namari Burnett is a guy that's going to be able to guard the one through three and like lock them down. So that's really exciting to me is a guy you can put on the other team's best player at the defensive end and, and, and hope to have some success. Trey Jackson. I think it's just going to be really refreshing to have like somewhat of a stretch for like, he's like, I think he's like a 36% uh, three point shooter for his, 
career or something like that. And he's six ten, so um, I don't. We haven't had that since like Isaiah Livers, Franz Wagner. Like, like we really haven't had that in the last couple of years. And I think that's what you need to compliment Hunter is get it down low. And if they're going to double him, then you need guys that are going to make shots. There's going to be somebody open if they double. You need guys that are going to put down shots. And so I think an athletic guy who can drive to the hoop, but also just hit the spot up three is really good in that position. And then Caleb Love, you said it. I mean, the points need to come from somewhere. If you're taking taking away like 70% of Michigan's points between Jet Kobe and Hunter, hopefully Hunter comes back. But I mean, you need somebody that's going to be that guy. And like, it could go bad. It could go well. But I think just having a guy that wants to be that alpha and take that last shot is something that was sorely missing as well. Like how many times this past season did they just piddle around with the ball, drop some like shitty inbounds play in the last five seconds and then just like turn it over or like fail to get up a decent shot. So he's a guy that's going to create and, and at least give you something to work with in those scenarios. So a a risk certainly, but one that you understand why Michigan felt like they needed to take. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. We'll wrap up with this. Uh, The episode's gone a little long as they always seem to overall, keep it short, better or worse. How are you feeling about Michigan basketball going into next season based on how the roster looks right now? Yeah. um, I I think a little bit, it's kind of a cop out, but a little bit undetermined yet because I, there are a handful of other transfers out there that they are still after that I think have a chance to be impact players. Um, and it, and it's tough. You're asking me how I how I you know felt going into last year versus how I feel going into this year. I felt good about the roster last year. I thought Kobe Bufkin and Jed Howard and Hunter Dickinson were going to make up a pretty formidable trio, which like statistically they kind of did, and yet the team still sucked. So, um, I you know I don't know if I'll, I'll feel better going into this year than I did going into last year, but I will feel better about this roster now than I did about the previous roster at the end of the season if that makes sense. So uh, I don't know, you know, we'll see what, what Doug McDaniel can be. I'm excited about Terrace Reed's potential development. So there, there are uh, the pieces there to be solid. I, I think so much of it is just going to come down to getting back to the culture. It feels like they had two or three years ago playing the kind of connected defense. It felt like they played early on in, in the Juwan Howard era uh, and how the team gels. So um, that's something that's that's tough to evaluate until we see them on the court together. But uh, I don't know. I, my, my feeling is that, you know, you land one more big transfer and I think people are going to be sleeping on them, but they'll have a legitimate shot to make the tournament. So I don't know. How do you feel, Steve? 100%. I think um, I think I'm a little higher on, on the additions than most people are. And like, I get it. Like after the way last year went, like there's really a bitter taste in Michigan's fans mouth with the basketball program, I think, but I think my range right now is if Hunter comes back, I feel much better about this team than I did last year. No doubt. If, if Hunter does not come back, I think I still feel a little bit better, but not, not, not much better. Um, But I'll, I'll tell you why, even if Hunter doesn't come back, I feel a little bit better about this team. And I think one of them is just guard depth. I mean, once Jalen Llewellyn went down last season, we had one point guard. I mean, like Kobe, like when Doug had to go out, like Kobe would bring it up to the floor or whatever, but we had one point guard on the roster, which is completely unacceptable. And that is speaking, that's, it's a conversation for another day. That's a roster management pro- problem, but we, had, we only had Doug. And even at the wing spot with Jet kind of coming in and out of the lineup over the, the last few weeks of the season, like, it felt like there wasn't enough depth at the wing either. 
Um, so I think just having like Namari Burnett in the program, getting Jalen Llewellyn back, who like I think he's probably going to be pretty um, reinforced in that backup role at this point, is just going to give us some continuity, and hopefully we'll be able to create some better chemistry in the backcourt. I think we're going to get better backcourt play this season than we did last than we did last season, one hundred percent. I also think like Trey Jackson has not put up big numbers in his career, but like it's just so exciting to me the possibility of having some sort of production at the four position. Anything is better than what we had last year. Literally. It could not be worse. Like Trey Jackson is probably perfectly average, but perfectly average is such an upgrade from what we saw last season. I I like Will Cheddar. I'm on record as liking Will Cheddar, but he went like three games starting at the four without scoring. Like that's, that's like at some point, like you have to accidentally like fluke into a bucket, right? He just athletically doesn't look like he belongs out there. And he seems like a great leader, a great kid. But, like, I'm excited to have this 6'10 guy who can shoot threes and, like, dunk. And, like, I guess he's not the best rebounder. Like, that sucks. I wish he was. But if he's a good defender and he just, like, works hard, like, then he will be a massive upgrade at the four. And so I think just those two things are going to be a big improvement. And, like, I don't know. It's hard to figure out, like, what the issue was with Jet gelling with the team. But I just think getting a new group together, there needs to be some somewhat of a reset, which is why I was, like, I hope there's a little bit more portal attrition, which is kind of ruthless, but <laughs> I, 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 but I, I just think that having that guard depth and having a little bit more shooting on the court is going to be uh, really beneficial for the team. So um, I, I'm, I'm planting my flag. I think Michigan's gonna make the tournament next year. I don't think they're going to be amazing, but I think there'll be a, I think there'll be a top five big 10 team next year. I am just kind of glad to not have to think about it for a while. Like we are going to wreck everybody in football this year and I'm not going to think about <laughs> basketball at all. Only football exists. This so, will probably be the last time we talk basketball till, uh, for till a the fall. So it, yeah. it was good. We got on it. Though. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, any closing thoughts, Steve? I, it was, it was nice to get back on here with you, man. I, I, I'm glad we're, we're doing this again. Absolutely. I think uh, uh, we'll probably get back on in a couple of weeks after the NFL draft. A uh, little teaser. Hopefully we'll have some NFL draft breakdown for you guys. Um, obviously a focus on the, on the, on the Michigan folks, but um, we'll go into, go into a little bit of detail there. Yeah, we'll then, see how we're feeling about Steve Seahawks and my lions. They're absolutely. They're <laughs> we'll have, I, I, as we alluded to earlier in the show, we're going to have some more recruiting updates, we think. So uh, we'll be ready to talk about that. But as always, Thank you for listening. Uh, This is Wolverine Hot Talk. Go follow us on Twitter. Smash that like button. And uh, we will see you next time.